I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year's 1971, the album The Uncle Dirty Primer. The artist Uncle Dirty and my guest is Dan Schlissel. Hey, Jason. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know, long time. It's been, uh, it's been a fun trip to Los Angeles so far. I've, I've really been just connecting with friends, mm-hmm. which is why we're hanging out. Yeah. Well, you don't have to lie to me that you were having fun in Los Angeles. That's fine. Uh, no, no. As I've gotten to be... I hated it as a, as a kid. Uh-huh. As I've gotten older, yeah. I've actually started to have okay. a lot of fun. All right. But but weird things tick me off. Like, they want to tear down that original Disney house in Los Feliz Wait, now. Wait, really? They have a fence around it. Oh, my like God. Like, they're going to tear it down. Come on. And there's a big hole in the roof. You yeah. can't even look to, into the garage. <sighs> you, you, that's where Disney started his what studio in fuck? California. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, like... But, like... I love. I was driving around talking on the speaker phone thing that you have out here in California, mm-hmm. and uh, talking to my wife and like telling her like, "Oh, there's the El Cid. There's this." Mm-hmm. There. And it's like all these crazy landmarks that we know about from Warner Brothers cartoons sure, sure, and old sure. Hollywood, and it's it's just amazing to soak that up more as an adult as opposed to when I was a kid and in the back of a, my parents' car. Like begging them to take me to Forrest Ackerman's mansion, and they just wouldn't do it. But now I have the control to go places. Yeah. Although some of the places, like Forrest Ackerman's house, mm-hmm. are gone. Right. Yeah. That fucking sucks. It's I got to tell you, like getting here because I got here in two thousand three, the level of like Hollywood shit that I've had access to is just nothing compared to what it would have been even ten years before that. Like. Yeah, I mean things fade away. That's the that's the problem with you know modern the modern time. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, at the same time, you can still go to the music box steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it did in the music right, box. Right, right, right. But, but they're it's amazing. There. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, so why? I okay. So you mentioned Uncle Dirty to me two years ago. Uh, if not more, yeah. it's got to be more. By it's now. been a while. Yeah. So what in the hell? What is this? I enjoyed it, but what the hell is it? It's something I stumbled onto. I don't even remember how I stumbled onto it. Mm-hmm. But somehow I saw this. I, I don't remember. It wasn't in person. I stumbled onto it onto the internet, on the internet. And when I saw the album cover, I said, I can swear on you. Oh, yeah. I, I, what the fuck is this? Why does this guy look exact? Why does this drawing look like Ron Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, I should. we should describe it. It's like a overall pink motif with a, a Ron Jeremy looking guy wearing an upsetting uh, red jumpsuit sitting in a big chair and a bunch of innocent-looking children surrounding him. And he's, like, basically reading from a book, yes? Uh-huh, yeah, is, is he? He's just got his hand... I don't know what his hand is doing. You tell me what you Give think he's second, doing. You, gotta... you own the album, but you don't have it with you, which is... Oh, it's like he's holding a pipe, Something kinda. like that. It's hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to tell from the... And I don't have the LP in front of me right, right now. Right, right, right. But, yeah, basically what it is is, like, Uncle Dirty's telling stories to the kids. <laughs> so That's weird. really what it is. Which is not... If you judge it based off of that, which I was... Then the comedy itself is completely out of le- like left field compared to this. It doesn't. They don't match up to me. Right. There's, I don't there's get nothing it. congruous con- congruous about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. God, I can't use my mouth anymore. <laughs> the older I get. Uh, anyway, so I was fascinated by the art, mm-hmm. and then I found a website that was his. What he passed away about a year mm-hmm. and a half ago, yeah, yeah. roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was really really old. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had a bout with leukemia, and tragically, I never got to meet the guy that mm-hmm. I was so fascinated by. Right. Um, I put on, I, I found his website, and his website actually had all of the tracks on there for free. I think I might have found it around the time you told me about about him. Okay, that, yeah, I remember yeah, seeing Yeah, because I, I think I even sent you the website, you and then did. the website changed, and mm-hmm. then I had to go to Wayback Machine to find it, mm-hmm. and then download it, and then send it to you via <laughs> one of those, you know, file sharing sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> One of the good file sharing sites. Sure, sure, sure. Not, Not one, one of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did it for informational purposes because you can't buy the album because it's out of print now. Mm-hmm. But it was on a, a Electra, I believe, which is a division of Warner Brothers. Okay. And what it is is this comedian, his real name in real life is Robert Altman. <laughs> the movie director, but not the movie director. <laughs> So he said, you know, I, I don't know if, if the director had already had a name for himself by 1971. I think so, but maybe 
maybe we are we we're not peak Altman at this point, but around then, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was coming because Nashville and all that stuff yes. hadn't happened. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. So he decided to go by Uncle Dirty instead of Bob Altman or Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. That's that much I figured out just digging around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the, I can't find out a whole lot else about him. Um, the record itself winds up being in 1971 is five years after Lenny Bruce dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, our patron saint, as I prefer to think. Of. Uh-huh. And uh, this is obviously somebody who was very heavily influenced him, by him. Yeah. Also an East Coast guy, also Jewish, grew up in Newark in an Italian neighborhood. Yeah. And was like the only Jew there, and his parents were very stereotypical, so he got his ass beat a lot mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. As is bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what happens when you get your ass beat a lot? You either get really tough, or you get really funny, or you yeah. get both. Mm-hmm. And and Bob here, I don't know how tough of a man he was, because I never met him, but he was very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously fallen into the times of like the uh, the, the Kool-Aid acid tri- test. Yes. Yeah. And that sort of stuff, because he's very free associating. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that he comes up with, <laughs> like, you're just sitting and listening and sitting and listening, and it's almost getting mundane. And then you're like, what the hell just happened? I need to rewind uh-huh. that. Yeah, I had the same problem listening to it. I'm like, wait, because, like, somebody, and again, I don't know if it's, like, a, a level of comedian thing or just a personal style thing, but it's very much out of left field. It's very like, out of left like field. Like, it's com- like comparing the album to the cover. Like, it's just, what the fuck just happened? And, and it's not edited to be a standard stand-up show. No, it's no, edited no. to be the five bits mm-hmm. that they are. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are rather lengthy. There's only one short bit that's mm-hmm. a minute and a half, and even that's part of a longer bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a full stand-up set, so it's really coming at you in chunks and in waves, and you... You know, he talks about how, like, it's very prescient and current and uncurrent at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because he talks about how comedy needs a victim. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. And and I still feel that even in this touchy-feely day and age where everyone wants to have their uh, intersectionality defined, Mm -hmm. you still need victimhood, I think, a little bit for comedy. Uh Uh-huh, okay. I feel that way. Okay. Maybe maybe not everyone does, but I do. All right. It's the old Mel Brooks thing. If I have a hangnail, it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. If you fall in an open manhole cover and die, <laughs> it's hilarious. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I still feel that way about comedy. Mm-hmm. And and he doesn't use politically correct terms because it's 1971. Sure. sure, sure, sure. So gay men are not called gay. They're called what the British call cigarettes, and uh-huh. I'm not going to say it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But but I, he's not doing it from a hateful place, you can tell. Right. So it, to me, it's still funny when he's talking about it because yeah, he's yeah, talking yeah. about situations and he's not beating up on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just found it to be this very compelling mix of East Coast wise guy, mm-hmm. and I don't mean mafia wise guy. I mean just funny wise guy. Sure. And uh, a certain level of that, you know, Carlin jokey, but like drug addled. Yes. Yeah. That was obviously pulled from Lenny's free associative, like, yeah. Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. But it, obviously this is the child or stepchild or grandchild or nephew <laughs> of Lenny and of Carlin. Right. And for that reason, I find this record to be the most goddamn compelling 30-some-odd <laughs> minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a it's just a comedic dead end that nobody knows about. Right. So it felt right. extra special to me that, to discover it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it meant enough for him to have a website and shit about it. So did he, what was he, was he still, do you know, was he still doing stand-up? I don't that? think he was doing stand-up. He After. was acting a little bit. Okay. And I. Because he's in Goodfellas. He's in Goodfellas yeah. as the wife, the wife's dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't even know that until last night. Mm-hmm. I just didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah. And apparently he has a daughter who's also a comic that I don't know a whole lot about. Okay. Um. I tried writing her way before he passed away, okay. and I just never got a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was super interested and compelled by, by by all this, and I just didn't have anywhere to put the interest. Yeah. Do you... Have you met anybody else who's ever even heard? Yes. Okay. And, and this, okay. this it, it involves one of the greatest used record stores in the world that you used to work by. Mm-hmm. Record Surplus. So good. In Santa Monica. So good. I, I probably shouldn't talk about it so that not everybody knows where that's I go. That's been my problem. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> if we need to cut that out, that's fine. <laughs> um, as a professional thing. Anyway, at this one record store, 
I found actually I found it before this at a store in Minneapolis, but it was a beat up copy. Okay, okay. Um, but then I found a good copy in shrink wrap there. Mm-hmm. In I want to say in the early '80s, Paul Provenza mm-hmm. produced a compilation album called The Improvisation, uh-huh. and it was based around Silver Friedman's. New York City Improv. Okay. Which Bud gave to her in their divorce settlement when he moved out here. All right. she, she was the only owner at the time of an improv that wasn't Bud. Okay, okay. Okay, so prevent under her guidance, Provenza produced this compilation album that included Bob Altman. Okay. And uh, I sent an image of the beat-up cover, the first one I bought to Provenza. I go, look at what I just found. He's like... Holy shit, I haven't even thought about that in years. And then he told me a little bit. I go, what can you tell me about Bob Altman? He's like, very funny guy, very strange. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I thought he was great, so I wanted to include him. And that's all I got out of him. I never sat with Provenza yeah. to get more. All right. But I know Paul knows him. so I And I know Paul well enough that I could try and arrange a sit-down. Sure. If he's around when I'm here in town. Right, right, right. But otherwise, when I see him at festivals, we're so busy catching up about other things and mm-hmm. telling each other about, you got to see this guy, you got to see that person, you got to, you know, mm-hmm. here's the thing you're missing out on. Right. So I just have never caught up this past thread because the guy passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be very hard to do a compilation of anything if he only has one album and one track. For sure. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Like. When I when I'm finding obscure things of late, not that I'm always hunting for the obscure, I'm usually hunting for the cheap. But lately, I've been like digging a little bit, yeah, and yeah. like, it's you're lucky you know a guy who's actually seen him. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's a fucking huge bonus for this guy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, you know, being a New York area comic, mm-hmm. people know him. It's just that the access to the people who know him. Like, I know Rich Scheidner mm-hmm. had a story about him on his website. Yeah. Okay. On Uncle Dirty's website. But I don't know Rich well enough to pin him down to talk to him about it. I do a little bit, so just let me know. Okay. Yeah. Well, that might be a good follow-up is to you know get some comments from him on mm-hmm. what he thinks about Bob. Yeah. I know the one story he will tell is the one on the website, so okay. I don't want to tell him. Oh, okay, I gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, the record was just one of those things where it just fascinated the hell out of me, and I just said, this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. There's he has this long bit. The long bit is about a mescaline trip, mm-hmm. and you know it involves like kind of young mob enforcer dudes that he was friends with in Newark, and they get these pills and they take the pills and nothing's happening. And uh, Bob goes to the bathroom and like Uncle Dirty does, and the walls are like breathing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he starts coming out and like he goes to the window and looks. And his friends are freaking out. Mm-hmm. And he looks out the window and he basically, this is the image that stuck in my head, uh-huh. was that the he watched the Empire State Building pull itself up out of the ground and walk over to the Holland Tunnel and ball it. <laughs> and I stuck thought that in my was, head too. And I thought that was such a hilariously, like, can you imagine that in a thank you masked man sort of cartoon? <laughs> And that the, the Chrysler building followed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they took turns. <laughs> On the Holland Tunnel. That is such a hilarious concept uh-huh. that could only come from a, a, a hallucinogenic trip. Yeah. And it's a bit, too, that I, like, in my head, I'm like, somebody should animate this. I want someone to animate this whole fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so ridiculous. And, I mean, it helps if you've been through a psychedelic experience. I'm sure. I'm sure. You, you kind of... It's like when you're watching that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the lizard people and all that, that's distraction. But when he's checking into that hotel in Vegas and Uh the swirl of the carpet starts coming up his pant legs, Uh Uh that is the most real... I don't know how to put this. I've been told (laughs) that is the most realistic hallucinogenic experience Mm -hmm. I've ever seen on film. From what I've been told by uh-huh. other people. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. You hear tell. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's fine. So it, it, I can imagine the situation and like the heart thumping and the chest constricting mm-hmm. as I am 100% sure that is what he saw with his own eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, 
it was at that point too where I, I didn't know what was happening with the album, right? So first, so first of all, I'm 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 saddled with two things: the name Uncle Dirty, and the cover. Well, the Uncle That's Dirty one's confusing because there's also John Valby, who's Doctor Dirty, who oh. does all the perverted songs. Okay. All you right. know, mm-hmm. I, like he has an album that's called uh, Greatest Tits. Oh my god, of course. I mean, Laugh.com reissued a ton of his stuff back when they were going full force. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you hear it once in a while on, on the satellite radio. Mm-hmm. But, like, the two names are confusingly similar. Yeah, yeah. Uncle, Doctor. Sure. It's all dirty regardless. Exactly, right. And I don't, I don't know how, I mean... He's not. He is not what I would even call that dirty of a comic, at least by today's standards. Not by today's standards. Seventy-one. He's saying fuck on an album quite a few times, though. Enough times that it would catch your ear for sure. Right. Uh, but then, like, he's doing, like, pretty solid, like, uh, just like just just working the room in a way where he's a he, he's uh, a very clean cut in terms of like he's not stumbling over himself. He's clearly been doing this for a long time. Right. And then I'm like, okay, like, okay, get it. He's doing, he's doing a lot of ethnic bits, including his, his own ethnicity, which is, you know, it's, it's so it's, it, that's a thing. That is a, a segment of, of comedy. So you do yeah. your thing. But then, like, it builds in this weird and awkward, definitely awkward way to, like, wait, he's, he is an actual hippie. He's not like the hippie character Carlin was kind of playing and sort of was. But, like, he's a full-on hippie, fucking mescaline, like, he's done mescaline. And then it also develops into some other stuff we'll get to later. But yeah, once it gets to this, I'm like, oh, he's this seems legit. This feels real now. It feels very, very real and very authentic. And, mm-hmm. You know, he's talking about how like tourism is down in the village because there's freaks everywhere. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and like it's a very unique... You don't think about that 50 years removed from it. Mm-mm, right. You know, but like here he said it out loud and it jars you a little bit and it goes... It makes you ha- think about it. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it would be like that back then. Mm-hmm. You know, in 71, we're still two years away from the Stonewall riots. Uh-huh, yeah. So and- it's like a really prescient and current, even now, album because of the way that our society seems to be eating itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got this feel to it that I... Yeah, it is incredibly real this perspective of a time that I feel like in certain albums either is going to get whitewashed or is going to be... We all have an idea of what we think the 60s is, right. especially for myself. I, don't, I didn't live there at all. Right. 70s, same thing. So I've got this idea of what they could have been and what is presented to me. And that includes from Carlin, who, as we all know, I think is a genius. Yeah, I think most people do. But, like, he's his own he's his own part of it. Fire Sign's their own part of the 70s and exactly. the 60s and shit. But, the, but like, a street-level opinion of what's happening at the time and the, the and talking the, the manner in which things are very specifically fucked up where he is it's pretty interesting it feels and it's not to the extreme persona of the person i'm about to mention but it feels like almost a comedy lou reed okay that he's reporting what he sees on yeah, the streets yeah yeah okay you know mm-hmm. granted lou lived a grittier uh-huh. version of that that was way more seriously drug fueled and yeah you know <laughs> But it feels like that. It feels like very much a product of New York City, mm-hmm. early seventies, right? Late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, right. Because this is punk too. Like, yeah. This is all when everything's starting to happen. It's where everything. I, yeah. And if you read enough books, it's like not only punk. It's uh, the Puerto Rican, uh, New Yorkian jazz stuff. Okay. And, uh, and or not salsa stuff. And then like there's a whole New York City jazz scene. And then there's Philip Glass. And mm-hmm. then there's the punks. And there's the hip hop thing. And it's all happening in this one. It's insane. Yeah. That's so weird to me. And I, I also love that there can be this guy existing and doing his own brand of comedy, and I guess surviving off of it. He survived off of it, but he didn't make a name. He right. didn't, I, as far as I know, he might have been on Young Comedian Specials, but I don't remember him from any of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I certainly don't remember anyone called Uncle Dirty. He yes. might, and having the two different names doesn't help. No, no. And I, It strikes me as this has got to be a... I'm a local comic buying my shit at the... These must have all been sold at the nightclubs. Oh, no, you said, though... It's Electra Records. You're right, it's Electra. Never mind. What the fuck? This is WIA, Warner Electra Atlantic, man. So how does that happen? I don't (laughs) know. How does that happen? At the time, the label still had major offices in New York City Uh and Los Angeles. Uh So I have to feel like... I can't imagine there being a comedy A&R guy, even in those days Mm -hmm. where comedy was so important. Mm Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine an analog of myself mm-hmm. at that time period. Right, right. It's always like the music guys. Mm-hmm. 
And I gotta think that maybe one of the music guys just had a weird, <laughs> he, uh, to, for lack of a better term, a weird boner for this particular guy's act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way I can put it. That's all I can think. Because my first thought was like, maybe he had a friend. Like maybe he had a no. No offense to him, but it's just too fucking weird to be. But also, up you got to remember that New York City is giving us people like Brother Theodore too. Yes, right. And granted, that's a little bit of an older. But like, that's the kind of personalities you get out of New York. Mm -hmm. You get these Gore Vidal's Mm -hmm. and you know uh, uh, Truman Capotes, and yes, they could make a national impact. Mm -hmm. But the real truth of it is that no matter where they're from in the United States, now that they're in New York, they're New Yorkers. Yeah, Andy Warhol, Pittsburgh guy, New York guy. I didn't know he's from Pittsburgh. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. Yeah. So all these people become these New York personalities, and Mm -hmm. that's what made New York so great. And it's actually what we're really tragically losing in new york now that it's all about money sure sure i mean and it probably was all about money the whole time yeah but at maybe least people could live there then of course and this guy clearly like if you're doing co- no first of all I, I would imagine most people don't go into comedy for money if they have i don't know what they're thinking because that's insane it's good, a tough one good luck but like he you know like you said we maybe he's making a living off of comedy maybe i i hope for his sake but then there's this this thing where you you can't count on anything happening with with what you do and especially if you want to keep i mean that that maybe that's one thing where he is going to remain forever on this one thing this new york guy right this jewish dude who grew up getting beat up beaten up by everybody else in his little in his part and he's got this conglomeration of influences that are clear like fucking carlin is in there too like so So, his voices are carlin's voices his voices are like they're they're (laughs) It's. I don't want to say that it's a ripoff. No, that's not how I feel about it either. It feels like it's these two guys that grew up in the same rough area. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if the Marx Brothers would have grown up a hundred years later, they would have had the same voices. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, it's like it's like the Jim Ignatowski, uh, mm-hmm. the, the character from mm-hmm. Taxi. Mm-hmm. It's like that New York, like that real earthy, weird, couldn't be from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Only could be from there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why those voices are so similar. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's no way in 1971 that a guy in comedy could be not clear at who Carlin was. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. just no way. Of course. Yeah. There's the the voices are like his in, the his incredibly gruff, like Brooklyn sort of guy. Some of his ladies. There's there are a couple of voices that I was trying to play so hard. Like there are a few times I'm listening. It's like I always thought George Carlin was great and I enjoyed his voices. But this guy, I'm like, if he wasn't doing voices, I'm kind of annoyed because some of his right. voices were fu- like he does one little bit where he's talking about Peter Pan and he says like I know or something like that, and right. it's so childish and beautiful. I'm like, this guy. I hope to fuck he was a voice actor and we didn't know about it or something. I don't know. And that's the that's the hard part of this mystery is mm-hmm. it's so frustrating that he just died a year and three yeah. months ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I only found out he was dying like a week before he died. Right. right. I don't even remember who told me, but they're like, "Yeah, you're not going to get a chance to talk to him." Man. <sighs> that fucking sucks. Yeah, and it's the worst because if I could have talked to him, a, I could have found out if he had an archive of his own tapes. Yes. To do some kind of thing. Right. Around. Right. <sighs> yeah, it just feels like this, but at the same time, to get the general public's interest in this thing that I'm interested in mm-hmm. for a comic that put out a record. Yeah. 47 years ago mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna be a real tough sell yeah interest is hard uh i've never worried about that but then again i you know i'm a millionaire so i don't have to worry about anything yeah, i mean we i worry about it because the, the only thing worse than making a record mm-hmm. is dusting off the copies that haven't moved yeah years after the fact yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's why, you know, like, it was very nice in the early days. Like, my first album came out through a thing called mp3.com, which exists yeah, now, but that. not at the same thing. But it's like, okay, fucking made to order. Cool, we can put our album up? Great. I don't have to worry about shit. I did the same thing with did the you? compilation from my old music label. Really? Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. I had to break it into two discs to make it fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, f- you used to be able to buy custom-ordered CDs from mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I even bought a pair of them so I would have an actual physical copy. And then yep. when mp3.com fizzled and disappeared before coming back <sighs> yeah i didn't know what to do so i eventually just pulled the stuff and put it on itunes i think they have fizzled twice since by the way they like oh, that fizzled sense. came back and kind of almost in the same format and now they're just like a place where maybe you can get mp3s i've been trying to figure this out for a while because it's a very valuable domain that they're doing very little with sorry that is a, some nerd left field no shit no that that's, I that's actually written no don't apologize <laughs> because this is actually an interesting 
thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we don't always wind up staying talking about the record. No. no. So to me, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. I, I, I am interested about the appendix that mp3.com became. Uh-huh. And I'm also interested, you remember Disc Live at all? Sounds familiar, but I don't know. Okay, so the Pixies, when they got back together for the first time, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago now, uh-huh. they played a, their first reunion show was in Minneapolis. Okay. And I happened to find out about it. I happened to be able to... I walked up, bought a ticket. Within awesome. 10 minutes, it was sold out. Shit. Okay. So that night, I go to the show, and there is this kiosk in the venue towards the door by the uh-huh. merch table. It says, Disc Live. And it's like, give us $25. We'll give you a receipt. 25 minutes after the show's over, we will give you a custom CDR in packaging of tonight's show. Holy shit. And I thought... This is the greatest goddamn bit of merchandise. It's brilliant. This is what I've wanted my whole life. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want the show they were just at? Of course, yeah. yeah. Professionally recorded and then somehow magically made into a CDR. Fuck right? yeah. Yeah, sign me up all day long. And I got so obsessed and fascinated with them. And then, then Live Nation started their own version of it. It, oh. it was Disc Live. I think theirs was called, uh, oh God, I don't remember, Go Live or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for a while, the the actual discs, they would make the ones they make for the show, but then they would manufacture more under contract to sell online sure, via sure, their sure. website. And that was being manufactured by the people who manufacture my CDs. Oh, okay. So I was just always like, what are you guys doing now? Like, can yeah. I... So, and, and I got super interested, and I wanted to buy stock in Disc Live. Uh-huh. And it was 11 cents a share, and I could not get E-Trade to take my business account. <laughs> oh, no. And I gave up. I was going to buy $2,000 worth of 11 cent shares. Sure. Because yeah. I just thought this is the greatest thing since the since sliced bread. Yeah, it's great. Bees knees. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't make it happen. And then Mark Cuban bought the company mm. and the shares went up to $6 each. Holy fuck. And I was apoplectic. God damn it. And then the whole thing fizzled. Yeah. And disappeared. Yeah. Like you can't even really find this. You can do a little bit of searching and find some stuff, mm-hmm. but nobody's using it as merchandise anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of the publicity about, and here's the thing that aggravates me publicity wise mm-hmm. about big vinyl resurgence. CDs are going to hell. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers, CDs outsell vinyl like 18 to 1 still. Okay. Okay. A yeah. CD costs roughly. A dollar, two dollars to make. Yeah. You can sell it for nine to ten dollars easily. Sure. You know. Sure. Sometimes retail goes up to eighteen, but it's mm-hmm. still not an unacceptable level yet. Mm-hmm. Vinyl costs seven dollars a piece to make. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And when you buy five hundred pieces of vinyl, you're basically paying four thousand dollars. For a pallet worth of vinyl mm-hmm. that is going to sit mm-hmm. in a warehouse or storage space and almost certainly never become four thousand dollars again. How did you just get into into my head for the last six months just now? Uh, because, all I can think about. It is all I can think no, about. No, and this is why you and I you always run off and do the projects on your own. Uh-huh. And I always find out about them like after you're uh-huh. already running and I can't go, hey, wait, let's talk. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have a problem. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know, and I understand wanting to keep your vision in-house, but remember that you have people that have gone through this. I know, but I'm, I'm not going to ask. I'm like, hey, No, Dan. you should, though, because that's, right. that's what I'm here for. I'm bad at asking. Well, ask, and okay. let's talk. Okay. And but anyway, that palette, 500 records, yeah, yeah. almost will never become $4,000 again. Right, unless you're Jack White. Unless you're Jack White, in which case you can print 10 of those palettes for one release. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> But to get to that level is very, very difficult. Sure. And it sucks because it's only 500 copies, but Mm -hmm. it's 500 copies that have to be controlled for heat and humidity. Mm -hmm. You have to keep them out of direct sunlight. You have to make sure they don't get dusty because dust ruins the record. So you have to keep them in the boxes. You can't really break them in the shelving units and make it easy. Um, It's a tough thing to maintain for that period that they're slowly trickling out and maybe one day there'll be only 20 or 30 left Uh uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. and i look at the vinyl i make in that very same way Mm -hmm. how long do i want to stare at this record knowing that it's not going to entirely move Mm -hmm. now there are comics who are very aggressive about pushing their product yeah like i did a a vinyl issue of kyle canane's first album Mm -hmm. and we sold out of that i think within a year 
Yeah. That is the exception, not the mm-hmm. rule. I still have the color variant I kept for myself. Nice. Sure. And I only just started selling those because <laughs> I'm not well organized. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, those will move as time moves on, too, because people will realize it's out of print. The only way they can get it is to buy the special weird splatter thing that I Sure, have. sure, sure. You know, so I try to do all the marketing angles to make the variants of records. There's only a hundred of this color. Mm-hmm. You know, because that helps drive collector interest. Basically, vinyl is like, what you're doing is you're selling collectible baseball cards yeah. or comic books. Mm-hmm. You're, you're selling an item, an artifact, more than you're selling the product that's on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, hence, you know, fucking every vinyl's going to have Not every. Actually, there's some weird exceptions. But most of them have download cards. I mean, that's just part of the fucking package most of the time. Almost all of them. As a matter of fact, I had a friend had two records. These are music records that came mm-hmm. out on Record Store Day. Uh-huh. One of them came out on a label where they did include a download and the other one came out on a label where it didn't. Uh-huh. And then when I told him I bought him, he's like, let me send you the download for the one that didn't come with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird market. I will say, I bought Weird Al's Alpocalypse on vinyl. Uh-huh. Like, I finally started being able to buy new shit on vinyl, but it's only comedy that I'm going to buy new on vinyl. Yeah, but mostly. it's like $30 a pop. They're now. 30 bucks a pop, and his did not come with a download card. That one didn't. The other ones have. Mandatory that fun. A, that might have been a label it, oversight. That's, oh, yeah, of course. It's got to be. It has to be. But here's the other thing about the numbers. When people talk about the numbers, okay, CDs sell for, let's say, $10 to $15. Let's, mm-hmm. say. let's say that is the range. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're saying that number is. I, let's say $40 million worth of product a year. Sure. And meanwhile, vinyl is gaining and it's up to $3 million a year mm-hmm. or whatever the number is. Yeah, yeah. Vinyl is selling at $30 for one unit. Right. So to get to that $3 million mm-hmm. isn't as many units as it would have been for CDs for to sure. get to even the same number. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's really all flim-flam work, and the public's buying in as if it's religion. Yeah. And not only that, I have comics on my label say, well, I don't even know why you made me CDs. I can't sell them. It's like, you can't sell them. They're a ticket. <laughs> They're a ticket to the fan to meet you, mm-hmm. to buy the record itself, Absolutely. to get their photo with you, yep. to get your signature on something. Mm-hmm. You know, and to have you leave a voicemail message or whatever goofy <laughs> yeah, other yeah. thing. It is a ticket for that meet and greet for sure thing for sure so how can you not sell it yeah that's weird that's weird yeah it's the it's a record label it's the thing that frustrates me the most yeah 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 you can never underestimate someone's laziness about their own art (laughs) if I liked you and you didn't have vinyl I'm not gonna shit on you I'll buy your fucking CD and I collect only vinyl but I'll buy your damn CD if you don't have any vinyl it's it's a $20 memento if you're there with your if you're there with your date Mm -hmm. fiance wife whatever Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want a memento of a great evening you had out when you're laughing and you have no cares in the world? Exactly right. That's the only thing that drives me nuts about Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy Pardo, this drives me crazy that you don't sell enough records. He's uh, only got well, two he or three. He doesn't like dragging them anymore. He has the records. You have to order them from the website. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good. He's so good. But he's also so fu- he, he doesn't do a night that's the same as another night. I'm not to kiss Jimmy Pardo's butt. I like I Jimmy Pardo a lot. And he's yeah, I screwed up. I had a chance to work with him and I, it was before I knew him and uh-huh. got it. Oh no! And I just said I can't. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, and yeah. then I saw him, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, I blew this." <laughs> but you know, we all make mistakes in of course. life, and that of is our—that's my continuing education—is making those mistakes. Of course, that can be fun sometimes. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I, Jimmy and I still get along famously. Whenever I see him, we mm-hmm. have a conversation. He's great. He's lovable. Mm-hmm. And I know in my heart that I screwed up. And he and I told him that, so now he knows that I know that I screwed up. Mm-hmm. So he has the satisfaction of that. <laughs> I'm sure he loves it. <laughs> I'm sure he would have rather had the chance to work together. But, you know, success is its own reward. Sure. Now. Living well is its the best revenge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, what they, that's what they say. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go back to Uncle Dirty. Uncle Dirty. A little bit. Yes. Um... I'm trying because like the more you're, the more actually we're talking about the economics of vinyl. Do you like what's your knowledge of, if any, like what? Because vinyl was what it was at the time. That was the thing you bought stuff. Vinyl on. then was like to buy a new copy in shrink wrap at mm-hmm. a record store. You're talking four dollars. Right. Right. So like, I I was reading a story about. And I'm sorry to go into economics again. And That's not fine. Dirty. No, it's fine. We'll I was reading here. a story about uh, Sam Phillips. And Sam Phillips ran Sun Records, mm-hmm. did Elvis's first five singles. Okay. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, uh, Johnny Cash, a whole host of people that 
went through Sun Records. Mm -hmm. And in reading this Sun Records book, and again, this is the 50s, he could he had his own recording studio, so he could take a studio. He could go into Nashville, or not Nashville, into Memphis. He, there was a pressing plant. He could take it there, and within two or three days, for two hundred dollars, mm -hmm. no, for fifty dollars, he could have two hundred copies. Jesus. Okay. Okay. And I just, I hear stories like that, and I think, <laughs> how did these guys not have constant hard-ons from the excitement of being able to control things? Like right, that? right, right. Because if I send a record off to be made, it's six months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two days? Mm-hmm. Fifty dollars? Uh-huh. <laughs> no wonder they could sell singles at, at, uh, at uh, the Five and Dime, Woolworths, and all those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it didn't cost anything. Right. God. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It drives me crazy. Because I don't, I don't have a perspective. Because like, I keep talking. So, like, I, we were talking off mic uh, a bit about these, these two guys that I, well, the one guy that I interviewed, who did this... Um, the vanity press these two right. vanity pressings and i'm like in my head and i didn't vocalize it to him in my head i'm like that's an awful commitment of time and money and the more i think about it it comparatively first of all this guy worked for the pentagon so he had the money that's one thing but the second thing is money was that fifty dollars then uh-huh is a lot of money now yeah 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 you yeah. know so mm -hmm. it was probably still a car was four thousand dollars in 1970 right 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 yeah so i'm trying to figure out what the economics of it was the gentleman's the guy who actually paid for the records and did all that, his wife is still alive. So if I can interview her, great. But I, yeah, I don't have any perspective on what kind of a commitment this was to make your own record. It's still a commitment because you, know? you have to find a pressing plant. You have to figure yeah. out all the different steps. You know, you, people don't think about this. They just think record. But a record is a jacket, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's a, like whatever. It, it's artwork on two pieces of cardboard that fold in on itself and glue together. Mm -hmm. Or one big piece of cardboard that folds down. So you have to take care of the jacket printing. Mm -hmm. Okay? In order to make the record, you have to have the record recorded. Mm -hmm. Then you have to have it mastered. Mm -hmm. Then you have to send it off to be plated. Mm -hmm. And then those plates are made into stampers, which by the plating place, that then go to the pressing plant. Right. To get pressed. Now, in order to do that, you also have to go to a lithographer mm -hmm. to get the labels made. Right. Because the labels get put on the record as, as it's they're pressed. pressed. Right, yeah. So that is already eight steps. <laughs> just to get this one thing that people say, it's a record. Mm -hmm. Now that record is eight things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. You don't think of it that way. But but now I've done it so many times that that's the only way I can do mm -hmm. it is piece by piece by piece by piece. As artists get frustrated with me is why is my project going so slow? It's like... You have no fucking clue what's involved in this. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, just to get the cover made means you have to have a photographer or an illustrator or both. Yeah. And a graphic designer. Yeah. So that's three steps just to get mm -hmm. the art ready for the cardboard thing to be printed and then glued. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I mean, I, I've had to think about it more, too, with, like, if... And I talked about this when I was on... Uh, I was there, too, the Matt Gorley show on, on Earwolf. He gave me, like, a minute to promote Paul Dooley's album. And I was just like, hey, cool. If you guys buy enough of those fucking downloads, which, by the way, enough is a lot. You'd have to buy a lot. Maybe I could do a vinyl release of it, guys. It'd be super cool, you know? And it's like... And, but the more I think about it, it's like, that's a fucking... Like, that's going to be a trudge. I will enjoy every step of it. If it happens. If yeah. it happens. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it would be super fun, you know. But it's like, yeah, it's this is. But that's also you must have. You've got to love it. Like you must you love have the shit to. out of it. You have to love the shit out of it, and you have to be ready to go down with the ship. Mm -hmm. You have to. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready to just stand there on the deck, mm -hmm. giving a salute uh -huh. as the water's going up Surrounded to your Surrounded by piles of vinyl. <laughs> well, you, you know that's you that will become microplastic and wind up in whales' stomachs uh -huh. and ruin everything. But anyway. <laughs> so, okay. So let's, uh, what are some questions you would have wanted to ask Uncle 30 if you'd have gotten the chance to speak to him? Because I'm, I'm like, I want to know what the biggest curiosities you have about him. I would want to know where the impulse to go from, I don't know, bullied to comic mm -hmm. actually went into place. What gave him the idea of comedy as a viable form of art? For right. Music? expressive abilities mm -hmm. also how did he get a deal with Electra? yeah how did the deal with Electra fall apart because mm -hmm. usually they didn't give one record deals mm -hmm. you know as, as a record label i tend to not give one record deals now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you want to develop with an artist as they of go course. over time yeah what 
snuffed that candle. Mm -hmm. Did he take out an ad like the MC5 that said, fuck Hudson's? <laughs> I mean, was what, yeah, what phenomenal something. thing led to the snuff of that? Right. Why did he go Uncle Dirty instead of Bob Altman? Why did he go Uncle Dirty instead of Robert Altman? Why didn't he cause more confusion? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He could have just named his albums after every one of Bob Altman's movies. <laughs> this one's The Player. This one is Nashville. This one is... He could have done that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that if, you had the, if, you, if you're really into causing chaos? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you? Right. Right. <laughs> he seems like this weird... I, again, he's hard to peg because he feels very like... I can tell that something you're getting from it is like there's like a feeling of rebellion and of, of this energy that again that you don't find anywhere else right any other time any other place like I'm trying to figure out but he doesn't feel like an asshole a lot of those guys are assholes I bet Lenny Bruce was was a dick I think I he's bet great. he was the funniest dick you've ever of met course in your life. absolutely yeah. absolutely we had a guy on the podcast that probably and he told the story on here but it's fine Jeffrey Wiseman who played uh, who uh, played um, George McFly in the second and third Back to the Future movies. Oh, wow. His mom was, one of, I'm going to get this wrong, like an agent or like, or she might have been like a touring manager type of thing. Either way, one night she had to bail Lenny Bruce out, and Jeff is five years old at the time, in the back seat. Lenny Bruce uses the word shit. She uh, stopped repping him the second after that because he used the word shit in front of her kid. <laughs> I had somebody, I had some, oh man, I got into a fight with somebody about our current administration. Uh-oh. And the whole... Uh, the whole I don't really care to you uh -huh. which is basically a Mussolini thing uh huh okay uh -huh. translated to English but yeah. there's no way that the the third lady of the United States didn't know that because Slovenia was part of Italy at that time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we get into this big oh, oh what was the, what were you, I'm sorry I lost my thread what was the thing that you said that took me into this thought oh I'm sorry Lenny Bruce saying shit in front of a kid okay so this woman mm -hmm. was I, put, I used to put on this comedy festival down in Mexico. Uh -huh. And the first year, she was a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And she was... We couldn't have done it without her. Mm -hmm. Really couldn't have. She was very instrumental in helping us achieve our goals. Uh -huh. And the second year, she dropped out because she found the comics to be morally opposed to what, what it was that she was about. Interesting. So she kind of hi-hatted us on a morals... Thing, right? uh -huh, uh -huh. So I basically, while we're fighting about this, I asked her what happened and why she dropped out. And she said it was because somebody said penis in front of a child in the audience. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. I'm surprised that kid survived. I'm glad no one tore him away from his family and isolated him. <laughs> Holy What is shit. your level of For what's real. right and what's wrong? Where For is your real. level of perspective? For real. That's, that's a, that's a five-second conversation with your kid. Yeah. To solve. But, okay, now Lenny probably said it in 1963. Uh -huh. It's probably a little bit more difficult to <laughs> yeah. explain. Maybe. Then. It's still really funny. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like Ralphie saying the big word, the F word, uh -huh. in front of his dad in uh -huh. a Christmas story. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. A yeah. well, little, little bit different. Um, man. Sorry, that just all no. tied together for me. No, no, no. Oh, you're, my God. Someone said penis in front of a kid. What the fuck is that about? That's, that's a scientific word for, for what For real. A, yeah. Anyway. You know what's so funny? You say that. Can I, real quick. This please, is just please. a perfect coincidence. Yeah, this is by just all means. Totally unrelated. It is related to one of my if other podcasts. If you podcast, a sex toy, now I'm going to laugh. <laughs> I have a VHS tape here. And oh, yeah. I, you, in a million years, you wouldn't guess what's on here. But I'll, I'll tell <laughs> God, you. <I> so <laughs> you've got ideas. They're not those ideas. Okay, uh, but <laughs> I have a podcast about news radio. So three podcasts a week. One of them is about news radio, which okay. is my favorite sitcom of all time. Okay, actual the sitcom, not the yes. whole topic. Okay. No, the, not the topic, the sitcom. And there's an episode entitled Injury in which Phil Hartman says uh, penis so many times that they get in trouble by the sponsor on the air, right? And like, and he says, apparently you're not allowed to say penis. No, he gets pissed about saying the word penis, but he says it so many times, he gets them in trouble with the FCC. So he says penis a million times. But apparently they said it about 30 times, but they never aired the full version, except this fan of my podcast found his old VHS of it. So I'm finally going to get to digitize. This is not on the DVD. You can't get this super penis version. So finally I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pirate this on, on, on the internet so people can watch it. But yeah, it's so silly. That is the... the <laughs> it's like Charles Rocket saying fuck on live TV. Uh -huh, you know? I mean, uh -huh. it's just such a... 
dumb thing how, to remember. How Puritan are we? Like, I mean, it's very silly to me. It's, it's very silly. It, well, I mean, we were founded by Puritans I as a know, country, so it makes I sense know. to some extent. I guess. But uh. <laughs> it's all this moral relativism, and it's like community standards have slid i don't know if you've noticed that we don't wear buckles on our hats anymore <laughs> uh we don't wear wool with knee-high socks <laughs> in the summer right right you know we, we've like, mostly eliminated scarlet letters for adulterers mostly oh boy i just called her the third lady of the united states i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point yeah, yeah. All right, I gotcha. it's, it's more about him than it is about her sure really. Sure, sure, sure. They're, they're uh, a package deal at this point. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. There's, there's any sympathy for her, like mm -hmm. hating him, is misfounded. Yeah. She, when I, she wore that coat, I knew she knew exactly what she right. was doing the whole time. But Ava was really nice. She had look at she tended flowers. Ava was such a nice girl. She just ran with a bad crowd. Yeah, those Browns. They were such a nice family. <laughs> Ava was great. And then she met that nice vegetarian boy who didn't smoke. <laughs> Do you like my paintings? Uh, <laughs> did you ever see... I'm sorry. Total... We're going to get so fucking sidetracked. No, but that's okay. It's fine. D did you see the movie about... No. Uh, Jesse... <laughs> about Jesse Owens that they did a couple years ago? <laughs> no, I want to, but I haven't yet. It's very good. But it has this problem where one of the... One of the moral... One of the people taking the moral high ground in it is Lenny Riefenstahl. <laughs> Fuck her, man. What you know, the hell? I gotta say this. is this. a recent movie. No, no, hang on. I, yes. I have to take this sidetrack and uh -huh. say something crazy. Uh-huh. I love Quincy Jones. Okay. Love him. As sure. a producer, as an entrepreneur, uh -huh. I met him once. Uh -huh. He talked to me for somewhere between one and five minutes. Mm -hmm. And he was very nice, and it was very great advice. He probably would never remember it in a million years. Sure. I'm not a celebrity. Right. But he took time to talk to a nobody and treated me like an equal. That's nice. And it was great. Mm hmm And then he had these crazy interviews a couple months uh -huh. back. Uh-huh. And he talked about admiring Lenny Riefenstahl. Uh-huh. And how he, they were friends. And it broke my fucking heart. Of course it did. Of course it did. I didn't hear that part of the fucking interview. Wow. There were two articles, and it was in the end of the second one. Jesus Christ. And it just destroyed me inside. Yeah, I don't get it. And then the movie paints her in this way where it's like, no, but I, I want to help. I'm just, I'm kind of captive here. But You're not kind of you, captive. You, you made the film. You created the Superman on film. Like, you made the most beautiful looking propaganda ever. For the worst reasons, it's just like, and, and you cannot take you can. It's like Albert Spear going, "I had no idea," and then he survived to an old age instead of being murdered. Uh -huh. That uh -huh. dude should have had his tongue pulled out of the bottom of his neck and wrapped around his head, uh -huh. and then given enough medicine to live like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't get it. I don't. I don't. This is. It's. It's a weird. I guess I should dig deeper, but I remember at the end, I'm like, wait. Have I been misreading something about Lenny Reef? No, no, no. She's a Where did I terrible hear... pig. Yeah. That just used used whatever she could to save her own neck, literally. I just don't she know. She should have been strung up in Nuremberg. Who had the balls to write that into a movie that came out two, three years ago? I don't because get that's it. Because that's the, that's the, the, because she lived long enough, mm. she got to rewrite her own ticket. Yeah, that's and true. And people bought into her rewriting of her own ticket. Yeah. Because, yeah. this is going to sound crazy, mm -hmm. if it happened to Jews, it's not important. Right, right. That's the way I see it. Oh, well, I mean, they've been doing it for a while. Uh, for a long while. For <laughs> all of history, as far as... And I believe me, I don't want to be this conspiracy theory No, guy. no, no, I know. I've read enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't think... It, I, it doesn't take a... It's not a leap. It's yeah, not a it's leap. it's not a leap. Yeah. Woo, boy. Well, speaking of Jews, uh, <laughs> Uncle Dirty. Back to Uncle Dirty. Great guy. Uh, I... I also really like, I'm trying, actually there's a couple, his, actually speaking of that, his voices with the Yiddish intonations of his parents are also very Lenny Bruce. That's why it's like kind of fun that like his round the town New Yorkers were George Carlin, but his family impressions felt very much like Lenny Bruce's voices. And that's why I love it, feels, them. it feels like such as, it doesn't feel forced, it doesn't feel ripped off, it just feels mm -hmm. like this amalgamation of things I love. For sure. And somehow nobody knew about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's really... The whole impetus for me pushing this record, I want, the reason I wanted to do this podcast mm -hmm. was I wanted other people to know about it so they could go buy up copies and yeah. give it their own listen. And they could tell me I'm full of it. Sure. <laughs> I have no vested interest in Warner Brothers or Electra's back catalog sales. Right. And neither do they at this point. No. 
No. You can't buy this thing on iTunes. No. You have to hunt for it on Discogs or eBay or mm-hmm. any of these other places that I'm plugging that shouldn't be plugged necessarily. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> you can find it. You have to dig for it and you have to be kind of into the idea. But I think that it brings its own rewards. Yeah, I think so too. And it, like I said, it took. It did take me a good chunk of it to get to like get to the point where I liked it. I'll be honest. Like it took it t- me a bit. It took me a bit too. Yeah. Honestly, my first listen it took all the way until that Empire State Building part. <laughs> yeah. And it was even then though you have the whole mescaline story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's like track 4 out of track 5. Right. Out right. of 5 tracks, I mean. So it took me that, but on repeat listens, mm-hmm. I get more and more out of it. Mm-hmm. Which is funny cuz most people, you know, comedy's very hard to go. It's not like that one Tom Petty song or that one <laughs> Pink Floyd song. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like deeply resonant and it happened in this time in my life where I met the woman that I love and then we had a family yeah, yeah. you know it's not that kind of thing uh-huh. it's a <laughs> right right yeah. me and my wife fell in love to the Hot Pockets bit thanks Jim Gaffigan oh uh, like, nice that's a classic it bit it is a classic bit <laughs> don't get me wrong right. but yeah you don't you don't really demarcate life in, in the same way uh I also like he's also got there's this thing that you could only do at this period of time and I, and, and he ends an album in a way actually not true because uh, Don Rickles always seemed to end his act this way which is like you know I, I kid folks but here's the thing uh, we should all love each other and uh, you know what I'm gonna fuck I think that's great every time you want to do that that's how you wrap your shit up and just be like by the way I'm not really an asshole just so everybody knows you want to do that great Rusty Warren did it on a bunch of her albums nice. actually she ended them but he does this big fucking like beautiful like hippie let's all love each other thing but in a much more articulate way than I just said of it. course and I he like was a, he it. was an articulate hip. He really was. My and favorite I, thing I about it. Rickles doing that was, yeah. like, and you can't ever find an audio clip of it. Uh-huh. If you don't, if you don't like any of that, go fly Ozark, <laughs> which was like a shitty regional uh-huh. airline. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. It's one of those things that like could, could feel super fucking sappy. I guess if you don't have the perspective to realize like how important it was to this guy to like, hey, I just said all this shit I said. And you sat here the whole time yeah. and you helped me with batteries. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm going to now be like, hey, we'll fucking love each other. And it got a huge, huge reaction. Yeah, yeah, Positive yeah. reaction. And it's like, oh, that's a really nice. So that alone makes me want to revisit it. You know? Right. You know? I don't like it's that. always smart when you give thanks in life. Not just in comedy, but in life. You mm-hmm. know? It's all, you know. My wife always tells me when we have a meal, you know, I'm the bread. We have a traditional family. I'm the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not going to go into a big, long explanation of that. I'm not a sexist. I'm, you know, I, I believe in a woman's right to determine themselves. Sure. But every time I, I, I cover a meal, my wife makes sure to go, thanks for lunch or thanks for dinner. Mm-hmm. And it's the nicest, most beautiful thing I get to experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to... This trip here to L.A., I've been seeing a lot of friends, and I'm just like, thanks for being my friend. Yeah. Thanks for making the time to see me when I know you have a life. Sure. And, like, I, I find being thankful to be such an important thing now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like you say, when, when you hear it on a comedy record, it, it helps bring it all, okay, now you can go back to your life. For sure, yeah. We yeah. had our fun, and now you're back. And mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully you had a good time, and you remember it. And it's it's that's a very different thing from people who... You either want the impression that or actually do follow through with this who seem to live their act who seem to live the personality that's on stage if you want to do that fine but for fuck's sake like that is that's going to eat away at you yeah there's a modern female that tries to push herself as Don Rickles that, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> there's no thanks at the end of her right. act right 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 you yeah. know me 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 mm-hmm. pig 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 to everyone else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's it rings so hollow to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But it, you know, she sells out venues, so I can't really. I think I might know who you're talking about. Yeah. I think this person might. Never mind. We yeah. talk about it off the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Um, still working. Yeah. Yeah, it's still working. Uh, <laughs> we had a little error earlier. My bad. Um, it's okay. These things happen. They Technology do. is always. I actually only this year. No, last year? Whenever the fuck. It was recently. I lost four episodes for the first time. All on the same thing. Unreleased episodes or previously released? No, unreleased. Lost four fucking full episodes with Mark Summers, uh, a bunch of other really fun people. Great episodes. Fucking just dead. It's never happened before. Are you able to rebook them as talent? Yes, yes. That will happen eventually. But this was like a year ago and I'm like, fuck. I feel so bad. I've I've lost shows. 
no, no, no. I've had gear crap no. out during shows. Fuck that. And you want to talk about things that shake your faith in your abilities. Yeah, of course, of course. My God, one of these... Oh, it's a nightmare every time. And, and I've miraculously saved two of those shows thanks to quick thinking, not necessarily on my part, mm-hmm. but on... You put your heads together real quick and you try and figure out a plan while okay. it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a nightmare when it happens. Holy crap. Yeah. I, there was one guy, I, I was recording him, and I it was gear that I rented, and I tested it out the night before in my hotel for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Everything was running fine. Yeah. Set it all up an hour before the show. Everything's running fine. Everything's sitting there normally. He's about to go on stage. We press record. Four minutes into his set, it dies and it is not coming back to no. life. <laughs> Holy and fuck. he is destroying the audience. Of course he is. This guy, it's one of those few cases where the first show is amped up, ready. We only have two shows booked. No. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But luckily Whoa. on that one, I, I had a I had a nervous breakdown. I we got the re, the recording engineer figured out that he could still pull audio from the board into his laptop without going through the recording rig. Mm-hmm. And because it was just a couple channels, we went into GarageBand. Uh huh. And when he got that going, like we got we kicked in about I don't know. While I was flipping out trying to do everything, he just was going ahead and doing this on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we only lost like two or three minutes, but it was at a lower level of recording mm-hmm. quality than I normally would have liked. I see what you're saying. I see. So once he got that going and I realized I couldn't bring the gear back to life and I couldn't stop the show, mm-hmm. I just... There was a power surge at the venue that didn't affect the showroom. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it affected the gear. Fuck, that sucks. And I went outside and I called my wife and I was actually sobbing. Yeah, I would be too. I would be too. And, you know, I, it's not a manly thing to admit, but Who man, I was devastated. And then I, you know, I finally calmed down and could breathe again and all that after talking to her. And I called the dude who rented me the equipment and I read him the riot act. I could be there after the show. After the show does me no good. <laughs> Holy shit, no. Like, so I finally get calm. I get back in the venue. And the show wraps. And the engineer's like, I got everything we could get. And I'm like, I'm not going to know what it's like until we get it mixed. Can you do the same exact thing for the second show? Okay, yeah. And, the, okay, what happened was it was a direct feed of the microphone. Mm-hmm. And there was a dude filming on a camera. Mm-hmm. So the audience mic was from the camera. Oh, wow. Okay. And we only had a single feed from the, from the mic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then I talked to the camera guy to see if he could stay for the second show. Mm-hmm. And then the sound guy went ahead and recorded the second show the way he did. Mm-hmm. But then the battery, he didn't bring extra batteries. So the camera died into the second show. Okay. And when we put it all together, there was literally 12 seconds of overlap between the two shows so that you could actually make it seamless. Woof. Okay. Holy crap. Only 12 seconds that overlapped. Hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> And again, it wasn't at the quality I wanted. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't lost. Yeah. But I had to tell the artist that we... I had no idea how it was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. I told him, I go, if you want, I'll just destroy the contract Mm -hmm. that we signed. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go back to my hotel room and I'll go fuck myself. (laughs) And we can just be done with this and you can be free to deal with somebody who has better luck with equipment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was so beside myself. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's not the only time it's happened, but I just remember that one the most mm-hmm. because it had affected me so hard that I, 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 I was in tears. Oh, yeah. Of course. No, I would be too. Yeah. Anybody would be. There are people listening at home who are like, fuck, I feel your pain, Dan. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't, I, I'm not a guy who cares about who's in the Super Bowl and, yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if my team loses. Mm-hmm. My team lost that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh huh. Oh God. But then we managed to pull it off somehow. Pulled it so. off. That's awesome. Hoorah! Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So Dan. Yes. Tell people why to seek out. I'm going to look how many copies are on Discogs right now. I never do this, but that's tell actually an interesting thing to, to do. You should do this. Yeah. Why? Why seek out Uncle Dirty, the Uncle Dirty Primer? Which now there are. 
how many let's see now if I look on here how many have it for sale only eight for sale right now but they're relatively cheap you're, you're gonna get away 15 bucks I would imagine is what the average is 15 to 20 bucks to get it on vinyl hopefully in good shape yeah yeah, probably yeah in good I, shape. I, I hope um, so why listen to this out why seek it out right now you know everybody talks about the the watered-down nature of our civilization and as an America as an American civilization mm-hmm you want to see America when it still had character. Mm-hmm. You want to hear it. This is a prime example of free drugs, you know, mm-hmm. free drugs, free sex, free, you know, free thinking. Yeah. It's the height of the, it's the culmination of the jazz age and of the, the, the first push in stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. The, first, the first 1970s push as clubs are actually forming for stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very clear picture of that and of a New York that has a, a 42nd Street that you don't want your kid to linger in, so you hold his hand and run through it. Mm-hmm. And it's a place where I'm walking here or, or <laughs> where a guy could shave his head and start hunting a political uh, <laughs> candidate. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, it's that. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling of, of dinginess and things aren't just set in stone and we're not just working in cubicle farms and we're not all watered down and dumb and just getting with the program and swallowing it all. Yeah. That's perfect. I think that's the reason why you do it. It's like when America was free and where did we go wrong since? It's perfect. Yeah. People should listen to it. It's, like I said, eight copies on Discogs right now. I only recommend it because it's like the I never talk about it on the show, but it's like it's I use it for everything on Discogs the show Discogs is pretty great. I, I don't, it's tough to buy stuff, I feel, for me. Mm-hmm. I like eBay a little bit more because it's just like go in, buy it, get out. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that One of those that I bought recently I had to get on eBay because it didn't have it anywhere else. You just couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, sometimes it's hard. But anyway, I recommend going out and buying this album and giving it a listen. Hunt it out. It's a, it's a unique relic of a unique time. Mm-hmm. And the dude looks like Ron Jeremy so you can hang up you can hang on a record cover of Ron Jeremy in your house <laughs> so good uh, this is gonna come out in I'm gonna say at least two months so fine. so what anything coming out on the label you want to promote anything else you want to promote can you talk about the show you just recorded yesterday I can't talk about the show I just recorded okay yesterday. that one has to be freestanding that's until it fine ends. that's fine sure um, but I can talk about I have vinyl releases speaking of four thousand dollars of investment i have a a limited edition 45 that i just did for a minneapolis comic who is you can consider him an alt comic but i kind of consider him well i guess an alt comic is a good thing uh he's kind of deranged Mm -hmm. and trying to hold on to sanity while also being a tremendous nerd Uh uh-huh uh, his name's Adam Quinnell, and we put out an EP called Egghead mm-hmm. that is literally a seven-inch record, both sides of a seven-inch record, devoted to Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and the seven-inch record comes with a download because there's more material that we couldn't fit oh, really? on the seven. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I like when downloads do that, when they kind of expand on what you can get on the record, but that's cool. Yeah, this is a unique case where, you know, he had this act about this that he's been doing once to twice a year yeah. for like six years. Yeah. And we just decided to capture it in its own freestanding thing. That's fucking great. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing that I'll plug is also a vinyl release. I am doing the vinyl edition of David Cross's... Uh, it's basically let him uh, Making America Great Again, his last Netflix Oh, the special. Netflix one. Yeah, yeah. But it's from a different... A, a different venue. It's oh not, really okay, yeah. and it's it's because it's different but tied together. What he did was he put in ellipses. Uh huh. It's just America, great. <laughs> that's a great special too. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so, that's amazing. Okay. So we did vinyl of that. Now this is the cool part. It's mm-hmm. currently available through David's website, mm-hmm. and you can get it in all sorts of crazy bundles. Mm-hmm. The vinyl through his website is. A, uh, let me think about this. It is a white stripe, a blue stripe, and a red stripe. And if mm-hmm. you know anything about flags, mm-hmm. that is the flag of the Russian Federation. <laughs> so that is available through his site in bundles that come with these embroidered Russian Make America Great hats. That uh-huh. Don't say Make America Great. They say all sorts, every one of them says something crazy and different <laughs> on it in Russian Cyrillic text. Holy shit. I love yeah. it. 
So, like, that's something really unique that's available through David's site. Mm -hmm. And then through my site, we're still working on getting it for sale because we had a manufacturing problem that we're still straightening out. The covers Mm -hmm. got screwed up a little bit. Um, There will be a... The standard edition is 300 copies on piss yellow vinyl. (laughs) Because... You know, why we have to honor the man with the things he's known for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's mainly about our president, this album, and yes. the NRA. Yes. Um, the second version of the album, the limited version that I'm selling on my site, is a split 50-50 record where half of it is piss yellow and half of it is Halloween orange. <laughs> so we picked those two and the Russian Federation flag as the colors for that's this awesome. record. awesome. Holy yeah. crap, I love it. And that's called America great <laughs> and the website standuprecords.com standuprecords.com at standuprecords on twitter and instagram and slash standuprecords uh, I think it's slash standuprecords but it might be slash standuprecords d-o-t-c-o-m dot com oh okay on facebook on facebook okay okay perfect yeah Dan thank you for doing this thanks for having me on again it's always great to talk about great obscure funny records with you I wish we could have done it last time you were in town but we couldn't right last time it didn't work out right last time I just I was here for a comedy festival right yeah yeah and it was all tied up with that Dan is a busy man folks he can't always do the show I want to always fun I I always want to do the show and we like having you um guys that's about it just nope I was gonna do my Instagram thing that I haven't done in a month uh no that's about it thank you guys for listening and as always have a good thing Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl. Or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Music